0: Please turn your Bibles to John chapter 6. Remember again, we, we looked at the incident where um, the disciples were in the boat and it was a, there was a storm. And uh, then Jesus came walking on the water. What an incredible thing that is. You know, don't, don't take these things for granted. These are the things that show us that He is God. That's right. You don't normally see people walking on the water, especially in a storm. You know, it wasn't like it was calm water and it was sort of treading and kind of going, oh, look, I can just, okay? <laughs> I mean, a storm means it distracts you. There's, there's no peace in a storm. No. This is not mm, and floating across. Yeah, that's right. This is something that is violent going on around you. And you having to do something that is impossible. Amen. And so, as we saw, he, he says, it is I, don't be afraid, you know, because they thought it was a phantom. And you would think so? Fair enough? <laughs> they think it was a ghost moving across the water. And so anyway, he, he not, only, not only does John show us that Jesus Christ um, is master over the elements and over gravity, Okay, but also that he has the power to move things from one place to another. I think that is extraordinary. And remember again that we we looked at the last thing that we talked about was you know in verse twenty-five when this is the crowd that is looking for him. All right, finally catch up, and they said, "How did you get here?" Because they were you know there was one boat that took the disciples across. There weren't any other boats there. And so some other boats came from, from somewhere else, that, which then they could use to get across. But, you know, in, in everything that they did, whether they walked across or they, you know, took a boat across, they, were, they didn't run into Jesus and they were keeping track of where he was. And they couldn't work out how he got from this side to that side. Right. <laughs> Somebody should have passed him. Somebody should have seen. Yeah. It never occurred to them that they, he just walked across the water. Yeah. Amen. And so that's where we left off. And then in verse 26, and Jesus answered and said to them, so this is in the question when they asked him in verse 25, teacher, how did you get here? And Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. I want you to notice something. Jesus doesn't answer them. Not the way that they wanted an answer. They wanted to know, how did you get here? He's saying, the only reason you're looking for me is because you want to eat. You know, if you had some other motivation, I'd let you know. But right now, all you're looking for is a materialistic savior. Somebody to meet all of your needs, fill your little tummies, and make you happy. Now, they're going to turn on him a little bit in a minute, okay? So we're going to see this today. In this section that we're going to look at, we're looking at the bread of life. This is the first of the seven I am's in the book of John. And so we're going to uh, be introduced to this first I am, all right, when he says, I am the bread of life. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. All right, this is a little exciting. So let's get on with it. That's why, you know, it's very hard to race through this stuff because there's so much in it. And it's important that we get this. All right. So Jesus answered and said to them, most surely again, he says, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs. Now, this is interesting because last time they followed him because of the signs. Remember that? I told you it's going to change. Now it's changing. This is where it's changing. You see, I want you to see something happening here. And that is, you know, we might see miracles take place. And so we are drawn to God by that. And then we think, wow, this is incredible. This is amazing. I've never seen anything like this happen. That amazement doesn't last very long. You know, we are creatures that get used to things and then take things for granted, and then (laughs) it just gets worse and worse as we go. You know, familiarity breeds contempt. You know what I'm trying to say? (laughs) Oh, yeah, we've seen that. Oh, it's another leg growing out. You know, another eyeball popped out. You know, whatever. We've seen. Like, you can do it! Do you understand the difference? See, they are just looking to see what you can do as opposed to how, what can we do? How can we do this? Is there something we need to learn? Do we need to get our lives in, you know, in order? What's going on here? Are you all with me? See, there's a difference between those that look to people to meet their needs and do everything for them and those that take responsibility. And realize that it's not all about God looking after you all the time, just so that you can watch TV comfortably. That was, you know, that's the end of your existence. It's there for you to do something. Are you all with me? Not to earn your salvation, but to be grateful for it. And go do something and say, Lord, you've done so much for me. What can I do for you? This is not going to be what we're going to see here today. Okay, I just I want to show you, give you some contrast here because we do that sometimes. And so the point I was going to make here was that they've got used to the signs. Now it's just like, yes, 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 we know you can heal people and everything. But, you know, what else can you do? We complain about all the things we think we should have and we don't have. And we don't ever consider the people that don't have anything. That's right. And they still thank God. Hmm? amen anyway all right so (laughs) let me read my notes okay so now we see that the people have gone from being impressed by his ability to perform miracles to his ability to feed and provide for them it's getting to the stage where they are no longer appreciating him even taking him for granted And now almost in a challenging and demanding way, they essentially say, and I've said this before, it's good that you can heal people, but what more can you do for us? Instead of saying, what can we do for you for all the kindness you've shown us? Amen. Amen? We must be careful that we don't do that. Jesus, being the incredibly kind and compassionate individual that he is, hallelujah, Once again, tries to point them in the right direction. And so, verse 27, he says, do not labor for the food which perishes. He's saying, don't go after things that perish. Don't go after things that are temporary. God, remember again, Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, God knows what you have need of. He will look after you. You know, he'll always feed you. He'll look after you. If you're not being fed, something has gone wrong somewhere. Can I just say that? Now you may not be driving a brand new car and you know all that sort of stuff, that's a different thing. But f- getting fed, getting clothed, being looked after in that way, that's normal. That's just you know that's what a father will do for a child without th- whether they're naughty or nice. D- did you understand what I just said? So that should never be an issue. If that's an issue, like I said, something has gone wrong somewhere. You need to check it out very quickly and find out what it is. Because you should never be in a place where you don't have enough to eat, you don't have enough to drink, you don't have clothes to wear. Never. If you're seeing, if you're seeing this online, please take this to heart. Okay, You must not allow that to happen. You reject it, you rebuke it, you do whatever you have to do, but get it out of your life. Because that's a lie. Hallelujah. Alright, back to this. Don't get things mixed up. Don't get, you know, the blessings of God that comes through faithfulness mixed up with being a kid in the household of God and getting fed. (laughs) Do you see the difference? You know, somebody preached this. You know what? You know what? Give me a minute. (laughs) Somebody preached that, oh, everything is by grace, sweetheart. Not everything is by grace. There, There are some things that you need to show yourself faithful in order for you to receive. If you don't show yourself faithful, you ain't getting that. And all the people out there that think, oh, I wanted to do nothing and get everything. Well, I yeah, just messed you up. <laughs> that's just the truth, okay? <laughs> I'm just letting you know. Because there is a time where those who are faithful over little will be made rule over much, which tells us something those who are not faithful over anything won't get anything. Yep. And moving on. Okay, that's enough. All right. <laughs> so he says here, again, he's saying... Don't get caught up in the natural. He says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Now what that means in the literal text means, approved him as one who speaks the truth. Okay, that's what he's setting his seal on him. He's saying that God is saying that this is a person you can trust. Okay, all right. The Discipleship Study Bible puts it so well when it says, I love this, Jesus Christ is heaven's bread which satisfies the hunger for God. Those who trust in him have eternal life now and forevermore. I think that is incredible. I want you to notice the two things it brings out. It Jesus is the bread that satisfies your hunger for God. I really like that. You know, people are going crazy trying to find God in all sorts of things. And Jesus is that bread. This is the one thing that will satisfy you. Because he came from the Father. Because he is God. Because there isn't anything uh, higher than God. Do you understand? So you need God to satisfy your hunger for God. You see how that works? Okay. Okay. Verse 28. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? They're asking a question now. They're thinking that Jesus is saying you've got to do some work in order to receive this. Work for salvation. That has always been a thing with people. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Remember the question? The rich young ruler asked. Yeah, They're, People are always looking for that. They're looking to do something... To earn their way in. We have to be careful we don't do the same thing. Please, uh, pause. Okay. (laughs) Can I say this? This creeps in when you're not looking. You know, we start to do stuff and go, now, see God, I did this. So what am I going to get? God says he got it all. I thought you were doing it because he got it all. (laughs) Do you know what I'm trying to say? Do you see the difference? And he says, what are you lacking? Is there something else you need? You didn't have to do that to get it. What what do you need? Get this. All you need to do, it it didn't say, if you need something, go work. It said, if you need something, ask. Ask and it shall be given. It didn't say work for it and it shall be given. It said, ask and it shall be given. The only work is for you to go to God. Not to do something for him, to grease his palm so you can get something out of him. We have to get past this. Amen? We need to understand that whatever we do, we do because he has blessed us. And if there's anything we need, he'll supply us. And whatever we need to do his work, you better bet it's going to be there. And if it's not there, it's timing. Did you understand? Timing. Because we have this nasty habit of if we have the money, we'll run off and do something that we're not ready to do. Our money is bigger than our ability. Our money is bigger than our brain. Another way of saying it's bigger than our wisdom. Okay? (laughs) All right? You know, this is why it says that money will only destroy the fool. Do you understand? As soon as you're ready for something... Things will start to happen. And if they aren't happening, you need to not complain to God, but ask God, why? And then he'll let you know why. And then you can say, okay, how do I fix that? And then he'll lead you to something, but he can't lead you until you ask, until you know there's a problem, until that has been identified, so that you can do something about it, so that you can open up that channel of blessing to start pouring back into your life. Do y'all get that? <laughs> okay? I know it's basic, but it isn't, you know? People just don't get this stuff. And then you get dumb people preaching like, See, if God wants you to have it, he would have given it to you, and because he's not giving it to you, means you're not meant to have it. That's the wrong conclusion. (sighs) Okay. Also went somewhere else. We're not getting through a lot today. But we're getting a lot said. Okay. (laughs) So they're they're thinking in these terms. They're thinking, what do we need to do? And Jesus answered, please listen. listen. This is one of the most incredible statements you're going to find in the Bible. Verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God. This is the work you need to do. Please listen. Jesus is going to tell you what that work is. He said, this is the work of God that you believe in Him who He, that is God, sent. That's the work. It's faith. <laughs> okay? And everybody just... You know, isn't it sad? When people say, are you a faith person? Yes, verse 29. (laughs) John 6, 29. Aren't you? What work are you doing then? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Everything hinges on faith. That's why it says, without faith... It is impossible to please God because that's what you need to believe all of this stuff in order to receive what God has for you and step into that eternal life and the life that God has for you, that he has set up for you, that destiny that he has for you, that calling that he has for you, that purpose that he has for you that makes your life feel worthwhile. You're not running off somewhere trying to find it. It's right there, dude. It's right there. <laughs> okay, Because you know, God isn't out there somewhere. He's in here. Amen. Hallelujah. Moving on. Oh, how many verses? Oh, dear Lord. Four verses. Okay. Uh, and Hughes says this, the work God requires of us is to focus on Him and on His Son. Faith in Christ is to be the basis of all our works. Faith in Christ is to be the basis Of all our works. Whatever we do, we do in faith. Do you understand? We walk by faith. Not by our five senses. Not by what's possible and impossible in the world. We walk by faith. Amen? Okay, verse 30. It says, therefore they said to him, what, oh dear Lord, can you believe this? What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? The, after they have been fed the day before. <laughs> after they wanted to forcibly make him king, drag him off. And he said, you know what, the, this service is finished. You're dismissed, go home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're doing this. 'Cause I know what you're going to do tomorrow. No, he wouldn't know that. But you know, isn't this see how fickle the crowd is? One minute, "Woo, you're the greatest, baby." And next minute, what else can you do? That was so yesterday. Yeah, hello. Don't become that way. Amen. We need to be so careful. Do you know one of the things that I do is I constantly thank God. I'm always in a in a, in a I, I don't know what you call it, but in a place of thanks, I, yeah, in a place of thanks, even, because I just look at things and I don't take for granted the things that I have, you know, even when I, I, I just listen to the end, okay? Even when I take the garbage, I go, "Oh dear God, I don't want to hear about your garbage." No listen, you know because, <laughs> because, uh, because the front of, it goes up. You know, because we, we sort of sunk down, the house is down the bottom here, and we've got to take the bins up the top. Every time I go up there and I look back at the house, I remember the miracle that it was, that we got into it. It wasn't like, oh, that was so last 20 years ago or whatever. Every time I look at it, I say, thank you. Thank you. We are blessed, we're living in this place because you blessed us with this. Every day. It's like we just moved in. Do you know what a grateful heart does? Opens the door for God to do more things. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's amazing. Amen. See, because normally what God hears is, Oh no, God, I have another need. So here's my list. And it rolls out. You know, one of them little scrolls. And so let's start at the top, shall we? You know. And he says, Where's the scroll of all the things I've done for you? It's longer. Where'd that one go? Hmm? Moving right along. <laughs> okay, all right. So let's, let's continue. Incredible. day. What work will you do? Watch now. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Verse 31. Our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Wow. So you know what they're saying? You know what? Let's take a quick look at what they're saying. Go to Exodus chapter 16, very quickly. This is talking about feeding the multitude that Moses led out of Egypt. Let's see what it actually says, okay? Exodus, what version am I using? I'm using the New King James. Exodus 16, uh, the first part of verse 4, then I'm going to jump to verse 15. I'm going to show you something here, okay? All right, first in verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread down from heaven for you. Okay, that's the important part, okay? Verse 15 says, So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was, and Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Yeah. He didn't say, This is the bread that I have given you to eat. What are they saying? Oh, Moses fed us. <laughs> right. Did you hear this? See how people look at you know human beings? You know, that's why, you know, when it talks about the apostles, when they did miracles and they started worshiping God and they ripped their clothes and said, we're not God. <laughs> we're like you. That's right. Check the equipment. No. <laughs> okay. It just said, we're nothing. We're no different to you. That's right. Who we believe in makes the difference. Who lives in us makes a difference. Whose we are makes a difference. Right. Yeah. Now you want that, you can be the same. Don't worship us. Amen. Alright, so with this in mind, what they were sh- essentially saying, now this is what they're implying, this is what they're trying to say, in, in saying it wrong, this is what they're actually trying to say, they're saying, if, we, uh, if you want us to believe in you, then you need to outdo Moses. Hmm? It's one thing to take natural earthly bread and that already exists and multiply it, but it's another thing for you to make bread out of nothing. Is what they're saying. Because mm. remember, Moses didn't. It, there wasn't any bread there. It just appeared. Mm. All right, kind out of thin air. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. So understanding what they're saying, Jesus now says this, verse 32. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. See, he first of all corrects them. He said, "Ah, what Moses, dude? Moses, all Moses did was go, we got a problem. He didn't wave his stick around and go, bread. Want to see that again? Bread. Ah. And he skillfully waved his little pole, and bread appeared. No, it never says any of that stuff. It says there's a mist that came, and when it cleared, there was all this bread. Moses didn't do nothing. All Moses did was go, oh, thank God. At least it'll stop him complaining for one day. Because that's all he got from them. Complain, complain, complain. You know... They, you know, what is that thing, you know? And they said, oh, they said, you know, lead them out of Egypt. It's going to be good. They'll, you, you'll be adored and everything else. No, 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 no. You take them out and you're going to have a complaining group all the way there, and then they're never going to get to the promised land. You're going to be stuck with them for the rest of your life. Yeah, I'm going to drive you to do something you shouldn't do so that you never see the promised land. That's what's waiting for you. There's no glory. People say, I want a big church. Why? 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 Are you stupid? Anyway, unless God gives it to you, then it's His problem. Oh, those who got it, got it. Anyway. (laughs) All right, so he says, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father... Watch. Now, he's going to switch from past to now, okay? Watch the change. He says... Moses did not give you bread from from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he, watch now, he's going to describe this. He's saying, is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now, let me just explain this very quickly. See, what he's saying is this, and there's more to this later, but I, I want to explain it to you now because I'm running out of time. Okay, so <laughs> what he's saying is in the same way that natural bread is required for you to sustain your life. You don't eat, you die. Okay, that's the short form. All right, just in way <laughs> your natural body needs natural food, your spiritual man needs spiritual food. And the, the, the true bread that comes down from heaven will feed a part of you that the natural won't. And in the same way you have to consume natural bread to keep your body alive, you have to consume this spiritual bread to keep your spirit alive. Did you get that? In fact, this bread won't just give you life. Listen, this bread will give you eternal life. Amen? A life that never ends. And he's going to make a point of that. Then they said to him, uh, Lord, give us this bread always. (laughs) You know, the shallowness of these people. It's like, oh, there's a bed of bread, give it to us. We won't have to come, you know, following you all over the place. (sighs) Here comes the first of the great I am statements. And Jesus said, I am, says Jesus said to them, Okay, I am the bread of life. He's saying the the bread you want is the one that comes from God. And that is the kind of bread that will give you life eternal. They're going, give us it. He's going, you're looking at it. And so he said, remember the words I am. Remember who they were making reference to? It was Moses. How shall I how shall they know that you sent me? You tell them that I am sent you. And he says I am that I am. <laughs> okay? He's saying I am God. There's nothing else. And now Jesus uses the same configuration. To say, I am. Watch now. In doing that, he's saying, God is looking at you. God is speaking to you. And he's saying, God is the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Did you see that? Do you understand? You need to section this off. Or you're going to miss it. You need to see, I am the bread of life. Amen? And so he said, that's why he goes and say, He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. What an incredible promise. You never hunger and you'll never thirst. You will never have a longing for anything. You'll never be unsatisfied. You'll never be in that place where you feel like something is missing. You'll never hunger. You'll never thirst. Isn't that a beautiful place to be? You know, you can have that and you can, man, you can go without a lot of things as long as you're good on the inside. There are people out there that have everything and they're horrible on the inside. They're they're afraid, they're nervous, they're anxious, they're all sorts of things and it's just destroying them on the inside. But on the outside, everything looks nice. And yet they're dying on the inside. Now you can have both. Somebody says, yeah, you got to be. No, 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 don't be one of those either, okay? I'm not saying you got to give up one for the other. Hmm? God promises both. The rich young ruler, if you hung around a little bit longer, in Mark chapter 10, is that correct? That, you know, Pete turns around and says, because he walks away, he says, you know, sell everything you have. Everybody says, see, Jesus wants you poor. No, listen to what he says after that. He says, anybody that has given all of this will receive now, in this time, a hundredfold. Right. And then he says, houses, woo, real estate. You know, it's the one thing that keeps going up. Yeah. Boy, you get into houses and you're in the money. You're in the, never mind. OK, but, you know, it's not, it's not a commodity that will go down too much. It just keeps going up. Yeah. Real estate and land is the way to go, man. Mm. It's gold. Mm. Amen. And he says, you will get a hundredfold back." Mm. Hmm. Mm. So, and eternal life. He didn't say one or the other. He said both. You need to be willing to give it all up in order to have it all. Because it can't have you. It can never have you. If it ever starts having you, it'll be taken away because the devil will steal it because you'll stop trusting God. You can't love God and money. You can't serve God and money. Do you understand? So many times... You know what? You know, let me just take a minute here. So many times... I'm sorry, we're not getting through this really quickly, but I think this is important. So many times, people believe God to receive something. Once they get it, they, go, they become a two-year-old. You know what a two-year-old does? Mine! Mine, 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 mine. And God says, give it away. No! Mine! But I gave it to you. Yeah, but now it's mine. You had it, but now it's mine. You gave it. Mine. Not letting go. And then God says, well, I'm, you know, you got to let go before I can put anything else in your hand. Well, you're holding on. I can't do anything. Because now it's got you. You no longer have it. And that's what happens. sadly. Please hear what I say. When God blesses you, Hold on to it lightly. Because it may be somebody else's. You just got to hold on to it for, for a minute so it can be passed on. Amen. Amen. If you do that, then God will bring something. Listen to me carefully. Please listen to what I'm about to say. God will bring something to you that you don't have the ability to get yourself. But somebody else does. And then he'll ask them to give it to you. And you will receive something that you would have not been able to get. No matter how hard you tried. Do you hear what I'm saying? That God would have just blessed you with. We really need to get this. Because Jesus said, give... And it shall be given. Did you hear what I said? Because you, what you've done is given somebody something that they couldn't get on their own. That's right. But you could. Yeah. So you became God's supply to them. And whatever you sow, you will reap. Absolutely. And so whatever you wanted that you thought was impossible, there's no way you're ever going to get there. Somebody else can, will And then they'll give it to you. Hallelujah. You see, we always think, give, and we're going to get the same thing in return. No, we give what somebody else can't get, and we'll receive something we can't get. Moving on. That'll do. All right. That bless you? I hope it did. You know, let go of things, okay? Just let go. No sticky fingers. All right, so... To, this, uh, to what Jesus said when he said, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. William Hendrickson says the meaning is that such a person will receive complete and enduring spiritual satisfaction, including perfect peace of the soul. I think that's beautiful. Amen? However, having made this incredible statement, Jesus goes on to say, verses 36 and 37, but you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the, Father, uh, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. Now, you know what? Let me just take a minute here, because a lot of people look at this and go, there's predestination. I've run out of time, so let me just finish it here, okay? They jump up and say, see, that's predestination. That God chooses some people to get saved. And I don't care how you cut that. And then they'll dance around the subject and say, yes, well, but God's always just in what he does and everything else. I can't see justice in God picking who he's going to save and sending the rest to hell. I don't see a justice in that. I don't see God is love in that. I don't see God is light in that. Yeah. I see God is darkness and God has a little you know, extra grind. Something ain't right. He needs counseling. <laughs> if you believe that sort of junk. And the people that believe it, wow, intellectuals. You know, intellectuals can be stupid. I'm telling you, they're stupid people. Can I explain this to you? That actually makes sense? God sees the heart of people. And he knows those who want to do what is right. And he will send those people. He will draw those people and say, you want to do what is right? There's the answer. But those that go, I just want to go argue, he's not going to send them to you. They may find their way to you, but that's not, God didn't send that. Do you know they even use that same argument about God's sovereignty? Let me deal with this very quickly, okay? God's sovereignty with regard to Jesus prayed for Peter, but he didn't pray for Judas. Because you know, in his sovereignty, Jesus chose to pray for G- for Peter. That's why Peter, Satan couldn't pluck Peter out of uh, you know his hand because Jesus prayed. But Jesus didn't pray for Judas because he you know that was the sovereignty of God that Judas is going to go to hell or whatever. Okay, now there's a question about whether they went there or not. But that's how they think. I'm, I'm not telling you this is what I think. I'm just telling you that's what's out there. It's annoying. It's irritating. It's horrible. Okay. <laughs> Can I if see that is a stupid person. Do you know why? Do you know what they don't tell you? Was that Judas, you know, when Jesus says and it it, it talks about it in actually in this place towards the end of chapter 6. You're going to say and it, it's going to say <laughs> turn turn turn. Uh In verse 70, he says, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? The word devil means a slanderer, a false accuser. Which means that Judas, see, Judas was stealing constantly. Judas was doing all the wrong things. He was lying and he was doing it without repentance. Do you understand? Pete stuck his foot in his mouth a lot, but he you know, when he realizes he's stupid, he said, I'm stupid, you know. He just said, I you know, I made a mistake. Yeah. You know, so God is not looking for I told you God is not looking for perfect people, just honest ones. Yeah. You're gonna mess up. Just go to God and say sorry. Hmm. Be sorry. Yeah. That's the key. You need to repent. Okay, Judas was unrepentant. Do you understand? That's why Jesus couldn't pray for him, because he's unrepentant. Because God, listen, 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 here it is. God will not violate a human will. (gasps) I thought God could do anything. See, that's the stupidity of your thinking again. Otherwise, as soon as Jesus died, he would have forced everybody to get saved. Do you know why? Why? Because if one person went to hell and God could have made everybody get saved, I think Jesus would be in God's face going, What's up? You know the horrific death that I died on that cross? What do you mean you could make everybody get saved and you didn't? What is wrong with you? (laughs) You know? You're too old. You know, move off the throne. (laughs) No, no, no. They're in unity, they're in harmony, they are one. See, we really need to get a hold of this. They are never in disagreement. That's why when the Jews complained and said, you know, you did a, you did a miracle on the Sabbath and the law says you can't. And, and Jesus said, yeah, I was doing what God was doing. So what you think God is doing and what God's actually doing are two different things. Can I say this? What you think God is thinking and what's actually going on are two different things. God is love. God is light. He will save everybody. But he will not violate your will. You want to go to hell? Go to hell. That's yeah. not me swearing. No. But this is as powerful as it gets. Because that's how powerful your will is. Amen. Did you get that? So don't blame God for doing dumb things. For you doing dumb things and getting yourself in trouble, and for thinking that He does dumb things. This is a brilliant God. He will do everything to get you saved, but violate your will. Everybody that goes to hell, not one of them will be able to say, It's not my fault. You predestined me to be here. Therefore, you are unjust. If you can ever find God to be unjust, then the devil will take over. Because he is the God of everything that is unjust. Do you get this? I don't know how many other ways to say it. So, when we read verse 37, we know that God is only going to send To Jesus and to you, those that have good intentions, that have a good heart, that want to bless you. So take every godly meeting. Amen? No matter how you feel, if it's God, it will bless you. And don't take anything outside of his will. Yeah, but I really know them. careful. Just be careful. I have to stop there. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we, just, we thank you for your word, and we just thank you, Father, for just all the things that we are learning. And I thank you, Lord, that you help us with all of this, that you help us see the realities, the truths, the applications for our life. And I just thank you, Father, that we never take you for granted.